Welcome back to today's episode. It's Sunday, November 19th, and we're here to discuss the new FX series, A Murder at the End of the World, which released its first two episodes last week, Um Fatale and The Silver Doe. It's about an evil eccentric billionaire who invites a select group of individuals to an isolated retreat in Iceland for five days. Someone ends up dead. Our main character decides they need to figure out what happened. It just sounds like Glass Onion. It does sound like Glass Onion. It sounds like uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Mm -hmm. It sounds like any sort of mystery where like a bunch of rich assholes come together. They can be geniuses or they, they can be any sort of sphere of and then they just start dying off one by one and you have a sherlock type sherlock type character who comes in to save the someone day. who's just very aware they're a detective or some common theme of mystery they and that's someone out. yeah and that's someone in this show is darby <laughs> darby it, it, it's interesting because the show actually made me want to travel that is what i got <laughs> from travel a murder iceland? at the end of the world yes iceland is one of the places but it kicks off actually in new york and so there's this hooded figure it's darby she's walking around in the middle of the night and she makes her way to this mysterious bookshop in new york city the name of the actual bookshop is the mysterious bookshop and it's a real <laughs> place it's got a 4.7 out of 5, uh, according to Google reviews. It's in downtown New York near the World Trade Center Battery Park area. Uh-huh. And uh, you know what I do whenever I see like a high-rated place that I want to go to? I go to the Google reviews, and then I look at the lowest-rated, most recent review. Mm-hmm. And this one said, When I walked into the bookstore, one worker just stared at me from behind the desk. No hello, no good afternoon. He literally just stared at me without saying anything like I was an intruder. Great selection of books, but I will never return. So, Darby Hart, yeah. So they liked the visit. They just didn't like the person staring at them. Yeah, I didn't know that they shot It looks like a cozy shop. They, they shot a little bit in New York. They shot a lot in Utah. They shot I a had, lot. Yeah, I had Utah, New Jersey, and Iceland. Those yes. were the three main places. But this was definitely a real bookshop called The Mysterious Bookshop. And she goes in there, and they're doing a book reading for this other author named Otto. But then she's called up to do a book reading. And we're not led to believe that she was an author at first because she's dressed like Mr. Robot. <laughs> She looks like Elliot. She has a hoodie on. She has, um, uh, what are they called? Uh, headphones that are like wired. And so for a second, I think we're in the past, but then I look at her phone and it's obvious that we're in the present. She gets up. She's actually got a book that she's uh, written that's done fairly well. It's called The Silver Doe. It's about a, it's a true crime memoir. So that's where the episode's name comes into play. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's about her own life. So she was raised in Lost Nation, Iowa, which I looked it up. It has a population of 434 people. Not a lot of people. Yeah. Her dad was like the coroner in town so she was sort of his apprentice and she gained this morbid curiosity growing up she also became like a or like a sherlock character she has a proclivity for sleuthing so there's this unexpected murder that happens in town this unexpected jane doe that pops up and she has silver earrings and the weird thing about silver earrings that darby clocks is that kids her age or in uh, younger than 30 don't usually wear silver earrings right they're very distinct so she assumes that that's something that the serial killer planted on the victim put them and on so, after he killed her like a calling card or one of those trophies like where they they either take something from the victim or they add something to the victim to say i did it right. <laughs> and so she um goes online and she meets this other guy named bill farrah who later on becomes fangs kind of a banksy type character mm-hmm. um and there are a couple of ne'er-do-well amateur sleuths who just like go back and forth they break into the fbi database to try to figure out where the serial killer is from and they track him down so darby's in new york 
giving her, she jumps to the back of her book. She's at the ending of her book and she's doing a reading from there, even though she's not asked to. And so she's jumping to the part where they found the serial killer's location. Wait, who would read the the twist, at least when they're giving a presentation of their book? Well, I, I like the way that they presented it because she gets up there and she's like, they told me not to do this, but I'm going to do it anyways. So she's already met Bill at this point. They're in Utah together. They're in this place, uh, Wayne County, um, Hansville, Utah, Whispering Sands Motel. You can tell they've only met a few times, but did Whispering you get any, Sands did you Motel get any is a there? real place. <laughs> and it's got a 4.4 out of 5. And it's close enough to the serial killer that they're staying there. But when I looked up the review for the worst one most recently, it says the tub doesn't drain, the AC doesn't work, and neither does the cable TV. Toilet won't flush properly. Other than that, it's great. <laughs> but but again, 4.5. All these places that I'm knocking, I'm actually like also saying that I would like to visit. Yeah. So yeah, there's that. Um, but really what's happening is Bill and Darby, they have sort of a will-they-won't-they they relationship going on. Bill's getting cold feet because they're getting so close to what could be the biggest lead or that they could actually find themselves in danger. They drive over to where they think the serial killer's first victim is. Okay. And they're stuck outside uh, this community and they're stuck outside a garage. And she pulls out like this weird hack that she's learned from Lee Anderson, who is a made-up character for the show, but was uh, apparently in the show uh, the biggest like uh hacker for a woman hacker that existed in the early internet days and how does she know about it she's just a great admirer of hers and it's weird because bill is also supposed to be good at hacking and he doesn't even know about lee anderson this all comes back into play later otherwise i wouldn't be bringing okay. it up right. she uses lee anderson's hack to open all the garage doors in the area she only intends to open the the one that she's in front of but it ends up opening all of them they go inside they go downstairs that's very, no that's very much mr robot style because in episode six totally. when mr robot is trying to open up the prison cell he just decides to open up all of them when he's trying to let that one person escape yeah yeah, no, that's a great comparison. And so they go downstairs. Think of like, uh, what was that movie that came out this year? The obvious, uh, The I Barbarian. So okay. no, no, The Barbarian, they go down to the basement. Then they go John Wick style. They start beating up the concrete there because they think there might be a body buried there mm -hmm. down there. Then they realize there's not. They fall asleep. The next morning, there's like stuff going on upstairs, but they ignore it. Instead, they see that the staircase leading down into the basement that it looks like it was not constructed very well that it was constructed most recently so they open that up and then they do find the first body but then that's when because they've destroyed the staircase they can't get back upstairs right so they're just stuck down there and that's when the door opens from the actual house and there's a guy with a gun and uh that's when they start listing off all the victims because they realize they're in trouble and they're probably about to die anyway so they they're just like <laughs> so i don't know this so is like wait, a poetic justice type thing but just a question you're mm -hmm. saying they what they did was they drove to the to where the serial killer lives right yes that's like three billboards outside ebbing missouri if they weren't able to actually kill the guy that and they we assume <laughs> that it's the serial killer who opened up the basement door leading down he has the gun he's pointing at them and then last thing we see before she stops her reading is that bill is about to get shot right okay so we don't know what happens with that oh wait wait is that where the episode ends no 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 no. that's like the first 10 minutes oh okay <laughs> so then uh she's done with her reading and she starts getting asked questions like why she dedicated the book to lee anderson and uh she answers that question she's just like i, I really admire the lady and apparently she ended up marrying andy rosnan who is uh like uh, elon musk He's uh, played by Clive Owen. He is the big tech, king of tech, as they put it. Mm -hmm. He's got a kid named Zoomer, which, again, is <laughs> another knock at Elon Musk because I think he has a kid named Techno Mechanicus Musk. Um, and, and, and so she goes back home and then she's invited by an AI computer to join this whole group 
to go with Andy Rosnan and meet Lee Anderson, his wife, in uh, in an unknown location. Right. The, two, the creators of the show said that there were two things they wanted to address. One was the climate crisis, and two was how far AI has gotten and where it will go in the future. Okay, yeah. Um, she uh, eventually accepts the invitation, and she meets all these other people on this private jet, and they don't know where they're going. But then we, we as an audience, find out that it's actually Fiot Valley in northern Iceland. There's only one. It's, it's like if you think of Iceland as a luxury trip, this is the ultimate ultra luxury because like if you look up uh, Fiot just by itself it's also called Depler Farm um, the first thing that pops up is a Forbes article that says why Iceland's Depler Farm is the perfect remote vacation spot this summer <laughs> okay so, yeah, there so there's one hotel there that's called 11 Depler Farm so I'm expecting them all to go into that place but instead they go to a CGI uh, hotel that's like ultra um, rich and famous that they created just for the show um, it, but all the characters who have been invited are tech geniuses or those who are like on the top of their fields have something to do. It's kind of like a Davos community where yeah. they're trying to fight climate change and that's what Andy Rosnan wants to do. But Andy Rosnan is presented as, again, eccentric, as a bit crazy, um, very controlling. Here are the names of like the nine people they've invited, right? Okay, so there's nine of them. All right. There's nine of them. Zeba, she invented some sort of end-to-end encryption. Um, and then there's Lume, who invented smart cities in China. There's David Alvarez, who's a big venture capitalist asshole. There's Martin Mich- Mitchell, who was the first person I recognized in the show, because I had just seen The Blackening a few days ago, <laughs> and he played the Urkel-type yep. character in that. Yep. And he also was the nicest one out of the invitees to our main character, Darby. So he sees her and he, he's like, I'm reading your book. You're like Gen Z's Sherlock. And so like <laughs> he he hits the nail on the head right there. And then you also have Oliver, who's uh, in charge of this deep fake app and all these robotics stuff that he does. Sean Cruz, who uh, eventually, um, she started off as a doctor and then eventually became an astronaut. And now she wants to colonize the moon. And then at the once the private jet has landed and they've all gone their individual hotel uh, rooms, um, it, once they get there and they're sitting at the dinner party, that's when Bill shows up. Uh-huh. Bill, uh, obviously, uh, he's famous as being Banksy now. He's Fangs. But, right. like, uh, he he has this connection with um, uh, with Darby. And there's, like, a will they, won't they just, that immediately happens again. What was the name of the show that we did? That uh, Haunting of Hill House and then Haunting of Bly Manor, the one that we just did most recently. The Fall of the House of Usher? Yeah, The Fall of the House of Usher. Whenever there's a dinner scene, I always feel like it's going to be a lot like that. Uh, what do you mean? Where because don't you remember they got all the kids together and then the dad there's a walked big in. table yes. and that's when Andy Rosnan walks in and he's like I want to make these next five days really important. This is my son. Nice to meet him. Um, he he's very controlling of what his son even eats. So that's where they, and then you get the sense that Lee Anderson, his wife, is also not super uh, happy with her husband at this point. But she doesn't have much control when it comes to that. She's just again a greatly admired hacker hacker that Darby wants to meet. Right. Um, they all spend time in like a hot tub later on. Then Darby and uh, Bill like reconnect because it, apparently Bill survived. Like after the first reading at the beginning, I didn't know whether or not he got shot there. But then he says, I have something to tell you. I'm sorry I disappeared for so long. Uh, come back to my room. She is conflicted about that. She originally says no. Then she goes to his room and then she's thinking because of a picture she saw that he's having an affair with Lee Anderson uh-huh. when he hear, when she hears groaning from his room. But then she realizes that like it's actually like banging and, and, and uh, there's a struggle going on. She runs to the other side of the hotel, looks through the window just in time to see Bill 
like push his hand against the uh, the glass. It's all bloody, and then he just kind of dies with Darby, okay. and they they make eye contact. The whole second episode is just the aftermath of Bill's death because they're in this secluded place and everybody's starting to gaslight Darby. Like they don't say that he's not dead, but they bring her to her room and they're like, we're going to take care of this and the police will be here tomorrow. And then Andy comes in and he convinces everybody else to kind of just like be okay with it as far as um, just continue with like when is the next time they're going to get all these people together? Right. Like, he doesn't want to have to reschedule everything because of an inconvenient murder. <laughs> but, I mean, like, it's a murder, though. Yes, and and so she's very suspicious, though, because she knows that they're saying that he died because of a um, because of a suicide attempt, because of a drug overdose of morphine, even though there was blood. Um, yeah, you said that there was a bloody hand yeah, that was on the door. Yeah, 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 and she saw her book was also bloody, um, but that plays less of a factor because you see that he actually died of a morphine overdose, but she knew that he had been off morphine or any sort of drugs for many years. So that's where the planting that we were talking about earlier kind of with the earrings comes into play. Yeah, Got it. her sleuthing comes about because she breaks back into the room and she sees that he was actually injected in his dominant arm, which mm-hmm. most people who would inject themselves would do it in the other one because they wouldn't have as much control in their own dominant arm um and and so she starts her investigation with that we're also getting backflashes of actually previous times before they had tracked down the serial killer that just shows more of her relationship building how she actually met bill in the past uh, via skype and all that um and then she hacks into the hotel wi-fi to get the cameras because obviously it's a it's a tech uh, hotel so there's going to be cameras right. everywhere and she sees that there was a masked figure who tries to break into Bill's room uh, right before he dies. I know that's a horror slash mystery, but them checking the cameras reminds me a lot of not only Five Nights at Freddy's, but Among Us as well. It took her (laughs) half the episode to find a way to break into the Wi-Fi because it was on its own separate network. And the only way she was able to do it was by taking one of the LED bulbs uh, and like breaking into that because it was a smart bulb. And then she like used that in her computer. It's weird because of this. They took all of their phones as soon as they showed up in Iceland because they did much like Glass Onion. Yeah. Okay. Yes. But they let her have her computer and they let her have the ability to like, ha- like, I just don't understand. You can do way more damage with the computer than you can I would phone. think so. Yeah. Um, they also bring up Ray's Tavern. So the first time that Bill and Darby actually meet um, p- person to person is at Ray's Tavern. I looked it up 4.6 out of 5. It's in Green River, uh, Utah. And the uh, lowest review says... Not what they advertise, not a dive bar, no liquor. It seems there's only one liquor license in town at the truck stop before the river. Also not great. Looks like you must order food to get a drink. Very limited selection of drinks. So this guy was very oriented <laughs> yeah. on just drinking. Yeah. Because the because the first two that you read with the reviews at yeah, least ha- ended well. This one, it just seemed like he had a one-track mind. Yes. It, the other interesting thing, though, is there's a sign outside of Ray's Tavern that says Evelyn's Organic Market. And I looked it up, and that's not a real place. They actually CGI or, or changed the name of it to Melon from Melon Vine Food Store. And I'm wondering if that has some connection that's going to come in later on or if Melon Vine Food Store didn't want them to to use it, to use it. But that wasn't going to stop me. So 4.3 out of 5 (laughs) at Melon Vine Food Store. They should be consistent with all customers, not just the ones, not just the ones their checkout girl has a problem with. (laughs) 
I don't know what happened there. Sorry, but, just really yeah. fast, really fast. All of these reviews have like 4.4, like the lowest yeah, you rated I was like 4.3. Yeah, right? I wasn't going to go after bad places, and they're all places I would actually go to. Overall, I would say the show reminded me mostly of Ex Machina, because you right. have someone who wins an award, gets to go to this ultra-rich place, and then it enters into, he gets in over his head. The menu, because again, I don't feel like, I think there's going to be more murders before before we get any sort of resolution. Also, Willy Wonka and that Andy Rosnan, uh, he's created this AI named Ray, who's supposed to compete with ChatGPT and all that stuff. So whenever um, uh, Darby is sleuthing around, she always talks to Ray. The funny thing about <laughs> so, Ray, though, is that he's much more like determined than ChatGPT. He gives you direct answers. He's not as vague. But one thing he is exactly the same as ChatGPT is with his like ability to adapt current works. So, for right. instance, you know that girl I said uh, her name was Zeba. She created end-to-end -end encryption. She's super into tech, right? Yeah. Well, once Andy has convinced everybody to stay at the hotel and continue with their plans for the next five days. Martin, who's from Hollywood, this, he's he's all about the AI. He's like, this is actually a tool. It's going to help everybody. Mm -hmm. And let me show you. I've made this full movie with the AI's help. Oh, God. When it actually gets to that level. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, it was kind of a, just a corny movie. But but when it comes to how he presented the AI, and Zeba is immediately just floored by how amazing that Ray is. And not by anything that ChatGPT can't do. Because... He says to Ray, he's like, make me a new Harry Potter book written in the style of Ernest Hemingway. Like, just a paragraph. Right. I could write that into ChatGPT. I did write it thing. into ChatGPT. It says, the rain tapped on the windows of the burrow, and the wind blew hard against the crooked house. Inside, the Weasley family gathered around a small, creaky table. The fire crackled, <laughs> casting dancing shadows on the walls. Harry, Ron, and Hermione sat quietly, their faces reflecting the glow of the flames. There are things Ray does in this series that ChatGPT cannot do yet. He's able to tell Darby things about, like, without any sort of extra details about the human body so that she's able to tell percentage-wise, like, how many people inject themselves in the arm for uh, when, they're, when they're getting high and stuff like that. Um, but, but, like, it just surprised me that someone who is so into tech would be surprised by Ray being able to do, do something that, as yeah. simple as write something in the voice of Ernest Hemingway. Um, there were a few more cons, the familiar tropes that it's playing at. Ultimately, this is just a murder mystery. It's a guy with a mask running around. I'm not sure how compelling that is. You also have some shitty medical advice that's going on. Like um, when she finds the dead body, right? right? When she finds her friend is dead, she's given sleeping pills by the security staff who then tell her that uh, it's it helps her heal. Like if you fall asleep immediately, which every study on PTSD over the last 10 years has kind of said the opposite. They said that sleep deprivation actually helps not uh, congeal those memories, but it makes up for it in the coroner scenes when they do find the dead body that Jane Doe and you see her dad like diagnosing what was going on and they talk about the hyoid bone bone and how it was it wasn't broken yet or how it hadn't like calcified yet so it was from a younger person and then also the sciatic notch and how they were able to tell that that was a woman versus a man like they were getting all those but terminology really, right this isn't really supposed to be scientific I feel like this is just supposed to kind of focus on the murder right? fine fine so the the other con that you can say and that that you can't really fight against is that her actual accent came out especially mm. during the um hot tub scene 
Right. Um, it was weird because like I was like, she's supposed to be from Utah, right? And then suddenly you could tell she was British. And do yeah, due to that, do you know where she's from? Where Emma Corrin is from? A play Darby Hunt. Uh, um, I I think I read that she was she um was she in um what was it, the Crown? Was yes. she the, was she Diana yep, in the Crown? Princess Diana. She's also going to be in Deadpool three. She was also in Pennyworth season one. So no episode that she I saw. She got so much acclaim for how she did in the Crown that people were upset when she got recast in the next two seasons before that other di- older Diana. Right, and the, the creators even went to her and gave her the first three scripts before meeting, and then automatically hired her the second that she hopped on Zoom. She got the part like it with a snap of a finger. It also did that very common thing where the hairstyles from seven years ago were drastically different than they are now <laughs> like she had almost uh, huge bangs uh, back in the day and then now she just has an, a normal haircut um th- there are certain themes that are repeated in the show that i did like the color red extravagance and books so there was a library on the jet there was there's a bookshelves all over the hotel the first scene that we get is in a library books she wrote a book um then you also have paintings in red behind andy rosnan in almost every scene there's a bold uh, red title card that pops up at the beginning of every episode she's wearing a red jacket she also has a red hoodie wow there's a red neon sign for the bookstore and the blood is red obviously when bill dies and you know what you don't usually see in iceland the color red so it does stick out and you're able to tell um and then the last thing i'll point out is there's a scene in the first episode that it had an annie lennox song that they returned to later on no more i loves you's and i love you's and um i feel like if you want uh an audience to connect with characters make them sing a song together like kind of just off sing along with the car radio or something Uh like that it tends to do well like i remember in tokyo what was that show with uh with ansel elgort um, uh, Tokyo you know Vice. Talking. Yeah, Tokyo Vice. They did something similar with the Backstreet Boys, and, and it made the show a lot more fun to watch. I know so. that Jaws yeah. has an infamous scene where they're singing along with the radio on a boat about how they want to go home. Yeah. So. There are lingering questions I have. Who killed Bill? Why? Uh, what was the secret that he wanted to tell Darby before he died? And then how did he survive? How did they both survive the basement? And then uh, my only lead so far is that I don't trust Lee Anderson. Darby is 100 percent in her camp right now but i think that lee anderson is probably the person who is even less likely to be good than her husband andy rosnan because right now she's being presented as a victim and if it's so early in the show i don't think they would tell us the truth do we know why it's called murder at the end of the world well i think about it like they're in they're in the middle of nowhere in like the far off place in the middle like it's it's so far seclusion wise that it feels like it's the end of the world well you I you saying that is it's true the first day on set the crew took snowmobiles as set because they were shooting on a frozen lake and then the person who played lee anderson Britt marlin got hypothermia the first day because of how cold it was not to mention that a lot of the cast and crew ended up getting covid 19 oh that's yeah so it, it, in it the was, cold it was held for i would shoot. still though love to go to fiyot valley like that sounds like a great place that depler farm um it does have a 4.7 out of 5 that hotel that i'm not going to be able to read the bad review for the the funny thing is that i thought there was going to be more of a connection with the oa um yes so so the main character or lee anderson is from the oa and then it just had sort of a tone of it and the bad guy in the oa was played by jason isaacs and he is very much sort of like a clive owen yeah no so it probably comes as no surprise the creators of the oa are the people who made this do you know how much of a cultural impact that show had I always thought it was just like a show that was canceled after two seasons. Yeah. But like 
it acquired a huge fan base. That doesn't mean, mean it was a cultural impact. But in I know 2019, they... it was canceled after the second season, and there were flash mobs around New York where they were re, uh, recreating the dance. And then they had, they were yeah. even picketing okay. outside of Los Angeles head. The uh, dance could bring people back to life, so that's why they were doing it. If they actually believed in that stuff. But like the story was, <laughs> the story was very reminiscent of people wanting more Friday Night Lights, like when people were sending in light bulbs. I, I'll give you like a that. more recent example: is that Netflix just canceled shadow and bone which has two seasons it was very popular um among a certain group and uh kind of like 1899 yeah, like they did last year it yes feels yes like, yes like 1899 because the oa had a mapped out five seasons and then it was cut after season two i'm pretty sure shadow and bone had like a very long uh storyline that it wanted but to go like, into even after the oa was canceled major publications collider enemy the ringer said that it was one of the best shows of the 2010s <laughs> bbc culture said it was one of the best of the 21st century and empire rated it as one of the best shows of all time it's very alternative like in the second season they went so far away from what they were doing in the first it like she ended up going into weird parallel worlds and like there was uh, it was up to interpretation how you were supposed to believe what you were seeing um so I, i don't even know where to go with that that's so different than this this is um, by the book, it doesn't seem like we have any supernatural thing going mm -hmm. on here. Uh, it seems like there is an actual murderer where we're going to track down exactly who and why they're doing it. I know Britt Marlene said, when you think about fictional female investigators in their 40s or 50s, you think True Detective Marcella or Mayor of Easttown. I want to know, did any of those shows remind you of this at all? Uh, the, the main character, Darby, she's mistaken for being super young. So it, it's not... Those other characters were, especially like the Happy Valley and um, and Mayor of Easttown. Like the joke there is that they're like over the hill <laughs> almost. Um, but 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 this character is is the Gen Z detective, right? Yeah. And so she's going to have a lot more energy. I did find it funny that her book, the cover of it, had had the interesting earring that because it's called the Silver Doe right. and the Silver of the Earring. But um, it, it looks like the cover of the Incognito book. <laughs> that uh, I, I'm a big fan of because it even has the yellow and the the face sculpting and stuff like that. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so what, what would you give the show Overall, out of 10? Um, let me see. What is it? The first episode's better than the second one. Um, I would probably give the first one an eight and the second one between a six and a seven. So I will end up giving it probably just a seven. So Britt Marlene, she was Maybe the main. Maybe six to seven. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So Britt Marlene, she was the main role in Babylon. And then as well as the co-creator and co-writer of the OA, she was the one to direct the first episode. And then the other creator, Zad Badminglish. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he, he directed the second episode. It's gotten good reviews. as a 7.6 on IMDb, around 1,500 reviews there. And then 87% on Ron. Tomatoes critic score, audience score 92%. Okay. And Variety said the themes outlined in the series are immense and haunting. And it seems like everyone is just a uh, really big I don't, fan of the I don't tone. know if it's haunting. With Ray, that AI, he's kind of goofy. Like he shows up sort of like Pokemon Go, where you raise up the phone and you can see him. Like mm -hmm. he's actually a projection. He is also reminding me a little bit of like goofiness of the James Corden um, uh, guy from Super Intelligence. You remember when, like, it was in charge of everything? Yes, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it feels like Ray, he's not going to be the villain, but he, he's definitely going to be, like, the, the corny sidekick that's going to be there the entire season. I yeah, I know that RogerEbert.com was one of the few negative uh, reviews I could find. It said, it isn't enough in the dull middle episodes of this mystery miniseries kill its initial promise. I haven't seen those, so okay. I can't agree or disagree. The series is going to be seven episodes. It's limited. There's not going to be a second season. This is only going to be one season. That's good. And it was originally supposed to be aired, like, uh, late August, but because of the SAG strike, it ended up having to move. 
So all right. that's about all I That's have. all you got. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Hope you enjoyed this one. Bye. Bye. Bye.